I have found that sometimes there are things in life that are so big that I can't wrap my mind around it. And sometimes it's even things that I've been predicting, suspecting, things I've even been told about or, 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 or even taught. But then when they actually happen, it catches me completely unaware. You ever have that? Where something that you even know and then it happens and it catches you like completely off your game and you don't know what to do with it. That's what it was like that first Easter Sunday. It says it was on the first day of the week. And it was early in the morning. Some of the people who wrote the accounts of this say it was even still dark. That these women who had been following Jesus, who knew Jesus, who loved Jesus, who even watched him die, they, they, they went to his tomb. Supposedly just in, in heartbreak. Or that weird kind of, you ever get this, that, that acceptance of despair? Going to the tomb to try to bring just a little honor and a little dignity to their friend, their loved one, their Lord, who had been humiliated and slaughtered before their sight. They took these spices to prepare them to dress him, to clean him, to give him a little dignity in death, even if he didn't have it while dying. And it says they go to this tomb, and they're debating on the way. How are we going to get that rock out of the way? Because Jesus was laid in this cave, he was laid in this tomb, and they rolled this rock in front of it, and they sealed it, and they even posted guards because of some of the warnings that were circulating around that his disciples, they might want to stage something. They might want to look like he actually did rise. They might come in the middle of the night. We've seen the body snatchers, right? And they're on their way, and they're beside themselves. It's dark they're tired, and I don't mean just because it's early in the morning. It's that deep fatigue. You know, those of you who have grieved, you know what I mean. That just tiredness you have in the wake. Saying goodbye. Worse, watching it happen. And they're going to the tomb. And they get there on the stone. It's rolled away. And they don't know what to do with it. Because sometimes things happen, don't they? That even when you've been told about it, even when you've been warned about it, even when you've been kind of built up towards it, when it happens, it's so big, it's so dramatic, it's so unexpected and out of the ordinary that when it happens, you just you don't know what to do. And it says they're there. And then they're, they're, they're wondering. They're trying to figure this out. What happened? And if weird isn't weird enough yet, it says these, these figures, these, these men in clothes that they describe as like gleaming like lightning. I'd love to see what that looks like. They appear, and they're standing beside him, and they're like, what, what are you doing? 
What, what are you doing? What, what do you do when your loved one is gone from their grave and people in glowing white clothes suddenly appear and go, hey, what are you doing? Why are you looking for him? Why are you looking for living people in graveyards? Why are you looking in graves for those who are alive? He's not here. I think of Ferris Bueller. Go home, right? He's not here. He's risen. And they didn't know what to do. Now, they had gotten to know Jesus well, deeply, intimately, for a few years before this time. Jesus had been going throughout Israel, preaching this message of something he called the kingdom of God. And his message went something like this, repent, turn, turn back to God, because I'll tell you, his kingdom, it's, it's in your face, it's on you. The kingdom of God is near. And this, this was no, no just some new geopolitical border for Jesus. No, just simply new ruler throwing a, having a coup and, and, and overthrowing a regime. No, this was described as, as, as both a kingdom that was not of this world and yet ironically at the exact same time a kingdom that is so what this world was always intended to be. And he went through the land of Israel, advancing this kingdom, breaking it in, restoring what God had always intended it to be, going, reaching out to the poor, welcoming the ostracized, lifting up the broken and the downtrodden, coming alongside the sinners and the tax collectors and the prostitutes, showing them what love looks like and what love is. He went through and he's, he's, he's healing people. He's literally healing people. I don't mean he's going to like Walgreens and getting a prescription. I mean, he's touching people on their eyes and, and these people who are blind are seeing and People with these incurable diseases are, are being healed and people who are crippled are walking. He's even raising people back to life. He's feeding people. Feeding them by the thousands with more than they've ever had in their life. He's stilling storms and reversing creation's wrath. He's casting out demons and put in his boot through the gates of hell. He's bringing it, this kingdom, and they got to see it. And they knew it. And he taught them. He taught them with his words about who God is and what he's like and what he wants and how he reaches out to us and is going to work his forgiveness for us even when we don't do what he wants, even when we ruin his creation out there or right here. He taught him with his actions. He didn't just have good ideas. He embodied it. You know what I mean? 
He showed it. He lived it. He demonstrated it. And throughout this whole thing, he would tell him things like this. You know, I got to go to Jerusalem. I'm here to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be handed over to those you least expect. Those who you think are of God, those religious leaders, I'm going to be handed over. They're going to hate me. They're going to reject me. They're going to be afraid of me. They're going to take me. They're going to take me. And I'm going to suffer. And I'm going to be nailed to a cross. And three days later, I'm going to rise again. If the Gospels and the Bible have it right, Jesus literally said it that clear. He literally said it that black and white. They didn't get it. Because sometimes people say things that are just simply so outlandish that you can't take them at face value, right? It must be a metaphor for something. He's going to rise spiritually. His soul and spirit is going to rise over all humanity to show. They didn't get it. So they show up at the tomb that day. And the stone is rolled away. And angels are there and they're like, seriously, he told you. Why are you looking for the living among the dead. He is not here. He is risen. Oh, I didn't even mean to do that. That rock, guys. It... Rock on. That. That is what this is all about. That three days later, Jesus came back to life. I don't mean some soul going to heaven. I don't mean some ghost haunting the crypt. I mean a body coming back alive, transformed, powerful, untouchable, just like he said. Now I want to do it. Christ is risen. Christianity, guys is not a set of ideas. Fundamentally, it's not a philosophy. It's not a rule of life. It's not a moral code. It's not a political agenda. It is not a self-help therapy. It can give perspective to those things. It can energize those things even. But don't ever mistake it for that. It's something so much different. At its heart and soul, at its core, Christianity is an event. It's an event. It is the death and resurrection of Jesus. The one who claimed to be the son of God himself. It is an event by which the world will never be the same And God willing, for those who accept it, will never be the same either. I read it earlier, but I want to say this again. I love what this this follower of Jesus says, where he goes, if Christ hasn't been 
raised, our preaching is useless. If, 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 if Easter didn't happen, this thing we do, this faith we claim to believe in, it's pointless. Without Jesus raised, the New Testament itself says, useless. And so is your faith. It says, if for this life only we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied. We are to be pitied. Because at its heart and core, Christianity is something so much greater by far. It is an empty tomb and Jesus risen. Jesus risen with the vindication of God and Jesus risen for you. Paul will write, the same man who write these words, that I want to know the power of Christ. I want to know the power of Christ and I want to know his resurrection. And don't miss it. He's not sitting there going, man, I just want to, you know, kind of understand this here. You know how there's no and no. He wants to know. I want to know it. I want to feel it. I want to experience. I want to know the power of Christ and his resurrection because the event of Jesus raised becomes Jesus raised for you. See, here at Fellowship of Faith, we believe God has a story. And don't for a minute think that means make-believe. But he has a story of a world he created, a world he loved, and a world that went awry. But a world that he was not content to simply discard, dismiss, or throw in the trash, in the trash but a world that he said, it's mine, and I want it, and I love it, and I will do whatever it takes to restore it again. Here at Fellowship of Faith, we believe this is God's story. We believe that it, it's found in the pages of this, this book, the, the, the revelations and insights and, 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 and poems and, and preaching and, and experiences of, of, of people of God coming face to face with the story and never being the same again. And we believe that this story climaxes in Jesus dying, the ultimate act of God giving his all to rescue a world and a people and a person who has gone awry and three days later rising again as the first assault and wave of his new creation, his restoration coming forward. We believe this is God's story, and we believe that he invites us to be a part of it. That he wants you, me and you, to be a part of it. And not just those of you here who are good. Not just those of you here who are pretty. Not just those of you here who are successful. All of you, look at some of the ugly, unsuccessful people sitting around you. Even them, right? Even them. God wants to be a part of it. He invites you to be a part of the story, to say, God, 
I want it. Let your story be mine. Let me be a part of your story today. Jesus, I believe it. Jesus, I want it. Jesus, I accept it. Lord Jesus, take me. And if you think about it, it's scandalous. It's scandalous, isn't it? That the God of the universe, who's both holy and just, would want people, well, people like me. It's foolish. It even seems impossible. How can God take someone like me? That's why Jesus died. Exactly for someone like me. I don't know what you bring here today. What baggage, what scandals of your own, what brokenness. But I tell you, we all have it. We might take a a day a year to put on pretty pastel dresses. Well, I don't, but (laughs) you may. To put flowers around and nice smells and happy music and ham is coming, right? We might do things like this to make it seem like it's all okay or to kind of push those things away, but we all have them. For those of you who are new here at Fellowship of Faith, I want to tell you, I promise you, that every single person who calls this place home has them. And not just the socially acceptable ones. They have darkness and brokenness and hurt. They have scandal and shame and regret. Just like you. And found that Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you to wipe it all away. Jesus died for you to forgive it all. Jesus died for you to absorb it all, the cosmic lightning rod, taking all the junk that you bring and saying, give it to me. And three days later, rising triumphant, rising from the grave, vindicated victory, your promise, your assurance, God's sign, the new hope, the new start, the new beginning for anyone, anyone, even you, who accepts him. Make that story your story today. Make that Easter your Easter today and claim, claim it all. Claim it all. What Jesus accomplished for you.